Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors, uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast. So we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? As we check elsewhere around North Dakota, we're finding continued walleye success on Devil's Lake using spinners and bottom bouncers. Larger fish are still showing up with crankbaits in about 20 to 25 feet. Typical for this time of the year, there aren't as many anglers on the lake, as well as many other lakes across the state, but opportunities still exist. For example, while walleye remain elusive on Lake Ashtabula, as they have for pretty much most of the summer, there's still some panfish success. And look for the potential of some perch from Pipe Stem Reservoir. Speaking of perch, the north end of Creel Bay, back up on Devil's Lake, might also be worth checking out, but be sure to move around to locate potential schools. Out west, the Missouri River tail race remains a bit disappointing for walleye during the day from both boat and shore. There are still small walleye coming from the spillway channel, however, and the chutes continue producing catfish. Access remains an issue farther south on the river below Bismarck Mandan. The east end of Lake Sakakwea remains fair to good for walleye and about 30 feet and deeper, but like many lakes, there aren't the angler numbers as much as it was earlier this summer. Try slow death hooks and night crawlers with bottom bouncers, move around, and work points. It's also switching more to a minnow bite, probably about 50-50 minnows and night crawlers. It's a tougher bite though with those depths, and anglers need to keep any fish taken from 25 feet or more Basically, they're likely not going to survive coming up from those depths. Look for okay salmon success with some nice numbers of fish showing up, just not the large spawning female salmon yet. Most activity is around Government Bay or Lake Sakakwea State Park on the east end, but there is still some success yet around Dead Man's Bay. Try 70 feet and deeper with a variety of colors of flashers and squids. Archery season's now underway, and just a couple of reminders that stands and blinds need identification on them when they're placed on North Dakota Game and Fish Department wildlife management areas. Plus, be prepared to deal with an animal in this heat, and that even includes dubs, with that season also underway. Enjoy the many upcoming opportunities, and please be safe. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale. And she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Yeah, so we've got three of these uh, special meetings across the state. CWD 
is a big deal for deer management, you know, going forward into the future, um, really has the potential, you know, to maybe mess things up as far as the deer herd goes in the long run. And it doesn't just affect our whitetail and mule deer. It also affects some of our unique opportunities as well with, with elk and moose. Um, so far to date in North Dakota, we have not found it in elk and moose, which is a good thing. Um, but we really want to get information out to folks about CWD in North Dakota. Um, our first CWD positive that we had in the state was back in 2009. So we've been dealing with it for a fair amount of time. Over the last, you know, 10 years, we've really, maybe even less than that, we've had a pretty good expansion. We kind of saw it coming as it was creeping in from the Montana side, creeping in from the Canada side, and now creeping in from the Minnesota side. Um, you know, and, and so we want to really dive into um, information for folks that are interested in deer hunting um, or deer in general and really give them what we've learned, um, where the state is at, and our future plans going forward. Um, about two years ago, maybe a little less, we put together a task force of interdepartmental people to really dive into what other states have done, what the advances in science are showing and telling us, and how we can implement those types of things across our state, what's going to work, you know, and what's not, um, and stuff like that. And so we'll get into that information at the meetings as well. Hey, Casey. Um for people who don't know what CWD is, can you just give us a real quick explanation of what it what it is and why it's so bad? Yeah, it's a it's a it's chronic wasting disease, um, and it's not a virus or a bacteria, and that's important because it it doesn't, you know, on the landscape or it doesn't die essentially because it's not a living organism. What it is is your body, everything's body creates prions. Um, and this disease has been specific to deer or the cervid family, moose, elk, deer, caribou, those kinds of animals. Um, and what it does is these misfolded proteins get into their body through ingestion. And then it kind of teaches the body to make more of them. And so those Prions are the things that replace um, cells in your nervous system, those proteins. And so for a deer that ingests CWD and this process starts, it actually starts to make voids in their nervous system and especially their brain so that these proteins now that don't function properly are taking the space of proteins that function properly. And so deer over time lose the ability to... <clears throat> excuse me, to uh, do normal things, you know, they, they lose the ability, what am I supposed to eat? And how am I supposed to avoid these things? And and so over time, it just starts to degrade their ability to survive. Wow. Casey, thank you for that explanation. I have hunted deer my entire life. I've been aware of CWD for many, many years since it really first became kind of a, a topic on the forefront. And that is one of the best explanations I have ever heard, and I love it when I can come away from uh, from the show learning something and having a better understanding than I did before, and I, I'm certain that our listeners are feeling the same way. Uh, obviously, from that explanation, 
it is something that affects um, the deer's well-being and and so therefore affects you know the herd herd health and and the uh, um, opportunities we have to hunt as well right how and and I don't want to take away too much of of what's going to be discussed in the meeting but how is this condition this disease spread so it's spread through um, saliva or feces or urine of an infected deer and so anytime you know an, an infected deer deposits those types of things on the landscape um, and another deer ingests it there's a potential for them to get CWD if that deer happened to be positive. And so as we look at things, how do we how do we slow this disease down? And and really one of the things that we're hoping to do is slow the disease enough so that you know science and things can catch up um, with this disease. Because I mean, relative to wildlife diseases that have been studied for over a hundred years, this one's pretty new. You know, probably back in the you know 1950s, it kind of came on the landscape, and it's not a very easy disease to understand. Because, you know, there are some things coming out um, now where they're getting better at some potential live tests and things like that, which are obviously hard to hard to put on the landscape in a wild situation. But to understand the disease, this disease so far has been one that every deer has to die to determine if it had it or not. Like whether it's hunted, whether it dies on the landscape, and we test it positive, yep this deer had CWD. One thing that we do know is that all deer that get it die from it one way or the other eventually. Um, but until you can get a live test, you know, and really look at what things potentially can affect the disease before a deer has to die to test it. Um, but, and they're getting close with that. And so, you know, as science comes along, and we learn more things um, about the disease, you know, we're hopeful that we can catch up. Um, but at this point, you know, it started to affect populations in other Western states that have had it on the landscape for a long period of time or have it at a high prevalence level in their herd. Um, because this is a long-acting disease. It's not, you know, like the EHD that we had last year that kills deer fairly quickly. And they develop an immunity, and then, you know, as they, as the population builds, there's some reason immunity to EHD. CWD doesn't have that, um, and so deer don't just die at one specific time. Over, you know, they may die any time of the year. It may take, you know, a year or more for them to succumb to the disease, and so it's a really hard one to get a grip on. Um, and so we're we're handed with the cards that we have to figure out how to play the hand. You know, it's something we don't know how to win. Exactly. That can be a challenge. And uh, kudos to you, Casey, and your staff for doing what you do, because uh, this this just sounds like a, a, a big, big challenge. And getting the information out to our public is uh, a great way to help everybody be informed and do their part to, to minimize the impact that this has. And once again, we've got Casey Anderson, North Dakota Game and Fish Wildlife Division Chief. Well, it is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Uh, make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock 
And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.